while I'm up front, I might as well start and get it going. I was thinking of finishing it off at the end, but uh, Linda's going to do that because there's something that she believes God wants to, wants to use from what she's got to share. So we'll, I look forward to that. But uh, I know those, there's going to be five of us this morning sharing of what came out of the National Leaders Conference for us. Now, Jill and I were privileged to go up on the Monday, and on the Monday evening we had a wonderful dinner, um, and then a talk from, from uh, John and Debbie Wright, just some input from them, what's going on. But it was a really good time just to connect with guys that we haven't seen again. Sometimes we only see them like once a year when we get together at the National Leaders Conference. There are other times we will connect with them at some other function that the Vineyard is doing nationally, and we have leaders together. So that was always a good time of just getting together and being encouraged by other leaders, and I really was encouraged this year, and I think, I think this year for me is probably one of the best that um, I've had of going up there, because it wasn't just a time of going to get input and information. As Jill said last week, she'd been praying and asking God for transformation, and I think for me it, well, it was as well, just a, a real hunger in my heart for more of God, the presence of God, um, His anointing, his love, and just encountering him in a whole fresh way. And um, that happened for me. It really happened to me. I think part of it was because I'd gone in there prepared and that Dill and I had both read John Mark Comer's book, um, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Um, I actually finished it off on the, it was on the, the, Monday, on the Monday when we got there and uh, finished reading it. And it was really great. So I was in a really good place when we got there filled with God's presence, and then our meeting started Monday evening, and then Tuesday we had a session, and that was great. And whenever the leaders get together, whenever the vineyard get together, there's always an opportunity for ministry. And it's something that is modeled into the church, and that's why we do it. We try and do it every week, where there's opportunity to get prayer, um, an opportunity for people to bring a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, or you know, speak into a situation, um, just as Karen had earlier on, of just those that were feeling broken. We, you respond to those things, and there's always that invitation for prayer. And it happened at, at various meetings. Um, on the Monday night, there was time for it there. On the Tuesday, there was time for it. We had a London leaders get-together as well at one of the lunchtimes, and there was time for it there. And just about every meeting that I was in, I received prayer. Um, there was a call for those that were 50 and over to come out at one time and get prayer. And that was significant. And I, got, I, went, in, I went up for prayer almost every time. Not because I was desperate for prayer, but it really was something that was spoken every time. And I needed to respond to it. And I felt I had to go up. And it wasn't there was a breaking or anything like that. It was a real infilling. And I had a number of words spoken over me that have really encouraged me and blessed me. And um, not challenged me anywhere, but really just filled me and, and equipped me for more. And so I really believe it was a time of God growing me through these words, encouraging me in, in many different ways. And so um, I've come back from that really encouraged, challenged to be more bold, to get out, go out. Brian Blunt, I think it was his surname, Blunt. It's an unusual spelling. He's an amazing, amazing guy. He was speaking at one of the sessions about just showing God's love and power through power evangelism. Um, he's a contemporary of, of, of Robbie Dawkins, of you who, even if you know who Robbie Dawkins is. I'm a guy who does a lot of power evangelism. And I'm busy reading his book, 
But his session, he spoke about primarily what's in his book as well, just of the encounters. He was desperate to, to be used by God. And Blaine, 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 I think it was Blaine Cook, I can't remember what his surname was, was a guy who was a businessman that moved powerfully in, in Signs and Wonders. And um, he, he was preaching somewhere, and uh, Brian and two of his mates drove up to go to the thing. It was a 12-hour drive that they were driving, and just all 12 hours of the way up there, he was praying, God, I want to touch from you, I want to touch from you, I want you to do something, use me, make you, I want to be available, all of that. And they went into this meeting, and there were a number of people that were in this meeting, a couple of hundreds or whatever, and um, partway through Blaine speaking, he stopped, and he pointed at Brian, and he just gave him a prophetic word, he spoke over him, declared the, the power of God to come upon him and use him. And he said he was blown back, literally taken off his feet and like pushed back eight rows. And the power of God came upon him. And he just had an amazing encounter with God. So that's what he'd been praying for. So after the meeting, they went off to a chicken shop to go and get some food. And when they were standing in the line, waiting, God gave him an impression of this woman just up ahead of him that had a pain in her arm. And he said, ah, oh, you know, go and pray for her. And he was... He didn't, he chickened out. And his mate who was with him said to him, God's just shown you something about that woman, hasn't, hasn't he? And, uh, and he said, yes. He said, um, well, better go and pray for it. No, 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 I can't. He said, I just listened to you for 12 hours in the car praying for, you know, to be used by God, to be filled with his power. God's just come upon you and now you're going to chicken out. And he said, no, no. And this guy said, well, then I'm going to go and speak to you. He said, yeah, but don't tell her it was me. And he, so this friend goes over to this woman and says, um, my friend there says he believes you've got a pain in your arm and I want to pray for you so that you can be healed. And I said, how do you know? He said, no, that guy. He had had the impression, and uh, but he's too scared to come and pray for you. He want to pray for you. He prayed for her and she was healed. And he said, so there we had been filled with the presence and power of God, just had this incredible encounter. He was too chicken to go and do it. But he said, since then he has learned to do it, and he steps out, and he's got some amazing stories, so that really just encouraged me as well, because it is something that, in the past, I've prayed for people for healing, and I've seen God use me to bring healing to people, it's not me, and like he says, he doesn't heal, it's Jesus, and so just to be more open and aware of that, that's what I felt um, from God, is just say, make yourself available, make yourself available, and don't be scared, don't be scared. The worst thing that can happen is nothing happens when you go and pray for them. Um, you haven't been affected, and uh, you know there's no failure in that. So I've come back encouraged and challenged by God to, to really be more bold, to get out and do more things with Him. And uh, one other thing is Jill and I have just started to practice Sabbaths. We, it was one of the things that came out of John Mark Comer's book, is just relaxing, resting, and... Uh, I've got to work out how we're doing it because I work, you know, nearly seven days a week and it's time to eliminate that and just take time out. So um, some days you might send us an email, send me something or send me a message and you don't get a response. It could be that I'm on a Sabbath day and when the Sabbath is over, then you'll get a response from, from me. So just to let you know that. All right. Who's next? Andy. Great. Most of you... Uh, are well aware that I've had a, a rough journey over the last couple of years. Uh, I won't go into the detail of that. Uh, life hasn't been fair to me, uh, but I'm not up here to whinge or to moan. Um, 
But if you've been close to me recently, then you'll be, it's been very apparent that I'm knackered and dispirited. Um, and I went to the conference expectant. God's uh, spoken to me a lot before, and I was expecting him to speak again. And I was soon rewarded with things that I wanted to hear uh, because of this teaching of uh, ruthlessly eliminating hurry from our lives. That was something I wanted to hear. You know, when you're tired, you want to slow down. Um, we were told, you know, Mark's told us it before, you know, work work from a place of rest rather than rest after working. I know it's a play of words, but there's a truth in that if you think about it. It's easy to say, but hard to do. Uh, we're living in an, an ever complicated, you know, the world is becoming more and more complicated, more and more busy. And how, how do you eliminate hurry? You know, it's, it's work in progress that we'll always have to... Um, but life's demands scream at us. Uh, just when you think you're calm, then something comes around the back and bites you on the bum. Um, I've come to realise that uh, I've, I've, I've been calling it lazy, but I think it's more passiveness. Uh, the traumas that I've had have made have made it worse. Um, life has been so hard. I think, why bother? Um, but passivity will slowly steal your life. I'm trying to find my strength in God by submitting to Him and resisting the devil, because the devil wants to destroy me, but God wants to build me up. You know, pain will change you, and you choose whether it changes you for better or for worse. We learnt at the conference, uh, thinking about hurry, that Jesus was never in a hurry. He was never pushed into doing something that he shouldn't do, however, however much people tried to push him to do things. His motivation was always love, and love is first of all patient, it doesn't hurry. Many of Jesus' great teachings were, were interruptions in his life. If you think of Laz- uh, Jairus' daughter, he's on the way to heal this young girl, and then a woman comes around and touches him from behind. He turned around and he had time for that woman, and the girl died, but he still went and sorted that out. He took it all in his time. We must learn to be like Jesus. You know, he's, he's our role model, isn't he? We must learn to be unhurried. And our motivation in everything that we do must be love. We've got to slow down as much as we can in this busy, chaotic world. I've got to stop uh, trying to beat myself up for not being like other people. Something that I heard that rang out at me is comparison eats contentment for breakfast. I'll say it again, comparison eats contentment for breakfast. All God ever wants me to be is Andy, and to do Andy to the best of my ability. We heard uh, two talks, I think Sue listened to both, Sue, Sue and I heard two talks based on Matthew 14, and this is the second storm that the disciples were in, the first storm they were in, Jesus is in the back of the boat sleeping. He's with them and they wake him up and he sorts it out. The second storm in Matthew 14, 
we find that Jesus isn't with them. He, he's just uh, done the feeding of the 5,000. The people are wanting to make him king. And he sort of sends the people on their way and goes up into the mountainside to spend time with God. That was where Jesus found his strength, by continually finding space to be with his father. But anyway, Jesus has told the disciples, go to the other side of the lake and I'll meet you over there. So he's told them to go. And he'd catch up with them. The disciples had been rowing through this storm which had erupted. Jesus sent them off at this time of night when it was quite common for storms to erupt quickly unannounced. You know, we're in the middle of a storm at the moment, but it's gone quiet. Um, they'd been rowing apparently for nine hours when Jesus turns up on the water and he turns up in the middle of a storm as a ghost. Well, that's what they think. You know, just when you think life is bad, then another problem appears. But we need to learn to recognise Jesus in the storm. He may not be as you, as you see him. You know, you may think it's a ghost, but stop and think, no, is this Jesus? We need discernment. I'd enjoyed all the unhurried teaching at the conference and I'm trying to break loose of self-pity because I'm tired and I'm dry. I went to a, a worship session with Ray, which was beautiful. Um, it was a room full of worship leaders and musicians, but they simplified it. it I, I love the vineyard because it's simple. Um, I'll speak more about that in a minute. Um, but they, they stripped it down to one guitarist and a room full of people standing there just singing, singing harmony, and we didn't have any words. But we made a beautiful noise, and we enjoyed God's presence. This is what worship is. You know, you could hardly hear the guitar. You were hardly aware of it. Worship was loving God for who he was. This was, it was, it was worship in its purest form, and it was beautiful. Um... I get so frustrated when I try and play guitar because I'm a perfectionist, a detail person. Then I, I'm, my mind works overtime. I overanalyze. I, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, is the guitar in tune? Am I singing in tune? Have I, have I chosen the right song? Um, so I'm trying to think what I wrote here. Am I play, playing the proper speed of the song? That's My mind's buzzing away with all these thoughts and it, and it gets confused with, um, it's like stuttering. There's so much going on that I can't do the thing that I need to do. Um, it's it's uh, like Jill's tether, you know. I, I get, I give up because I think this is too complicated. You know, the, the, the elephant doesn't pull on the tether because when he was a baby he couldn't do it. So, um, and... I battle with self-confidence. I've, I've, I've battled from self-confidence since I was a little boy and it stunts me because I'm overthinking things. But going back to the storm story and the complication, we find that Peter walks on water. 
I'm definitely not a Peter because uh, Peter was a crazy man. He got out of the boat in the middle of a storm and was walking on water. I know he only did it for a moment, but at least he did it. I'm, I'm sitting in the boat. I'm thinking, can't he see those waves? Can't he feel the wind? You know, idiot. That's, uh, the, but that's the way I am. I'm, I'm slow and I think a lot. I overanalyze. But I need to, to harness the way God has made me. I do walk on water. I'm shy. But God nudges me up here to speak to you. I, I stop thinking about my shyness. I stop thinking about my lack of confidence. And I harness the, the way my mind is thought things over. And God has made in me somebody who can analyze all the problems and come to simple solutions. I, um, it's why I make detailed models which explain about trenches. It's why I'm writing a book about finding simple solutions to make models of trenches. That, that's, that's what I am. That's what I do well, and it's what God wants me to harness. Um, I'm Andy the Encourager, and all God wants me to do is to find simple solutions to help other people. So I'll try and do that to the best of my ability. Since I've been to the conference, I, I listened to a sermon online. If there's, apparently there's a book about it, but there, on YouTube there's a Tim Keller sermon called Blessed... Blessed self-forgiveness, uh, sorry, blessed self-forgetfulness. And there's a book called The Freedom of Blessed Self-Forgetfulness. Now, most of us have problems with our ego. We're either too puffed up or we're bound down with broken egos. Both of these situations are wrong. The key is to stop thinking I, I've got to stop thinking about what you think of me because it doesn't matter what you think about me I've got to stop thinking about myself and what I think of myself that doesn't matter the only thing that matters is what God thinks of me and God thinks I'm wonderful God has made me how I am I need to harness what he's how he's made me and use it to the best of my ability that's all he wants from me that's all I need to do. Thank you. Well, as Mark said, my name is Ray, for those that don't know that, but probably most of you do. And uh, I did go to the leaders. Thing. I admit that I enjoyed it. <laughs> I admit that I enjoyed most of all walking along the canal path, which you go between the hotel and the conference bit time. Uh, that was just great time and seeing God in nature and whatever. And uh, one of the things which I... Th- remembered most, thought most about, loved most of all, was what I would say slow worship. We've had a little bit slower worship today, um, hopefully, that, uh, that you've enjoyed. Because I, I felt that while I was there and singing, and all these 1,500 people there, but you could be on your own between God and me, and I could worship him. And it was that time and space, it was just him and me, that I enjoyed most of all in the conference. Um, I put it like the music between the words. You haven't got to sing all the time because there's that music in between the words and that's when God hears what we're saying and speaks to us. Uh, If the world is too loud, then it's hard for us to hear God. Uh, And if the whole of the world is going too fast, then 
we don't hear him either. We hear the wind in our ears rather than his words in our ears. Um, one of the times when we were worshipping together, I, I felt very uh, conscious that there was a violinist on the stage. And as you know, we've been before, uh, I, I tend to play the violin here rather than the guitar, which you play. Thank God he plays the violin. But um, the violinist there, he was, she was just playing so similar to me, uh, trying to get the, uh, the feeling in her music. And uh, I, I just wanted to be there with her on stage playing, uh, to be honest. Um, I was slightly jealous, if that's the right word. I certainly longed to be playing in the band, um, rather envious of her, and either to play instead of her or to play with her. But I was just conscious of God in that moment just saying, I understand I understand. And that just reminded me how when we were in that place with God, that he understands. He understands. He doesn't need to say much. He understands who we are, what we are, and he cares for us. That caring meant that there was time, there was space. He knew me inside out. He said, I understand. My one word this year, we've been talking about my one word a bit, and my one word, I decided in the beginning of January that was going to be the word time. I nearly changed it to I understand, but uh, it's going to be time. And I was enjoying that worship time, that worship space when he could share his feelings with me and I could share my feelings with God. He understood my heart. On the last seminar of the last day, I went to a seminar called Mining for Gold. I don't think anyone from here was there except me. Mining for Gold. And I hadn't really read about what it was about, but it was about helping others discover and walk in their unique call and vision. Mining for Gold is about helping others discover and walk in their unique call and vision. I hoped it would be good and helpful for other people, but I didn't know anything about, about that seminar. When I got there, I was rather discouraged, rather perturbed, because... It was going to be led by a rather larger-than-life American with a rather large, I was going to say ego, personality <laughs> and an even larger voice. And this dominant chap, what's he going to say about mining for gold and digging deep? Uh, anyway, one of the things he said was an illustration for us. Uh, it was for me, and I say it's one for you as well. He asked us to choose a season that we were in in our lives. Uh, you know, during our life, we're in different seasons. We might be young to old, that sort of season. But also the weather sort of season, we can be one season or another. I'm standing in the way probably. But what he said about winter was that it was cold, cloudy, dark, alone, lifeless, shut down, dormant, apparently nothing happening. Have a think, is that you? 
Then he talked about spring, of warming up, getting brighter, lighter for longer, with shoots of new life emerging and opening up. Then he talked about summer being green and hot and sunny and everything was bright and rosy, blue skies, life was fruitful and blooming. And then he talked about autumn, where life is getting tired and slowing down, getting cooler, less sunny, the plants needing a rest. Maybe you just want to spend a moment thinking, which season are you in? I'm not going to tell you which season I thought. Which season are you in? You only have to be honesty with yourself and with God. And you don't have to tell anyone else. So we got that. And then he asked us to consider what our secret passion was. What we wanted to do with our life. How we wanted to serve. Where we wanted to serve maybe. Uh, And then to agree a first step that we could move to take our life from where we are now and whichever season we're in into fulfilment of our dream, the dream that God maybe has sown a little seed in our heart. So there were these three questions. And he illustrated this bit of talk by asking for a volunteer from the audience. And there was a little bit of giggle and titter because no one really wanted to expose themselves before a hundred people uh, and say what their secret passion was. And then a volunteer came up who was a girl who had just finished at university. And she said what her vision for her life was. And we were all really surprised by it. Her secret passion was to go to Japan to make animated Bible stories. Animated films of Bible stories. That was her passion. And so then she was challenged by this larger-than-life man saying, what's your first step? So she said, well, I suppose to find out how to get to Japan and maybe to learn the language. He said, yeah, but what's your first step? Well, I could look on the internet and see how to get to Japan or which mission, if anyone, to go with. And he said, okay, that's your first step. It's a simple step, but there's always that first step in life that we need to take to get somewhere where we have a dream, where we have an aim, an ambition, maybe a leading and a calling. I don't know, but I guess that quite a lot of you felt you were in winter. I'm not going to say, you don't have to say to me. Uh, maybe some of you won't, and great, you're summer people, hey, great, you're doing these things and you're being rosy and blooming. But others of us are quieter. Maybe we were in autumn, that life was good and rosy, but now it's actually slipping by and we're fading into something where we don't really want to be. But I want to say that winter is the time when the roots grow. The plants on the tables today, we put them in in the autumn when life was dying out, 
but the roots started growing in the winter. Maybe you're in winter, but maybe your roots are growing. And your, your passion not to be in winter is what's helping those roots to grow and to suck up the water from the soil and start to sprout. Maybe your winter is going to be followed by a spring. And maybe your autumn, if you're in autumn, and maybe you're feeling a bit low because it's getting dark and the leaves are dropping off, getting rid of all the, the dirty air that they're breathing in all summer. In autumn, maybe you're getting rid of the past and you're preparing for a refreshment and renewal. So I want you to take that picture home with you and pray it through with God. And let God say to you, yes, Ray, you are in such and such a season. But I have my work to do in you and I want to move you on. Another season of your life will come in due course. But we can't hurry it because God takes his time. The theme of the time away, as we have said many times, was the ruthless elimination of hurry. I got the book and I enjoy reading. It's very light and easy to read. But the message is there. God takes his time with us. He doesn't hurry. He does peace slowly and quietly. He does love slowly and quietly. He does joy slowly and quietly with us. So we calm down. We decide what season we're in and we enjoy moving on. We enjoy the spring rain coming or the winter rains coming. When we lived in Shetland, this was a mere breeze. uh, And how we knew if it was a windy day was when we were lying in bed and hearing the slates tapping to each other. Telling each other it's windy. But God, with his gentle wind, comes and fills us with his spirit. Just say when you need the picture to go upwards. Well, if you could put it up now, it'd be great. Thank you. Well, this is uh, a good thing and um, a bitter thing too, because um, you get to know what I'm like. I don't do cerebral very much, uh, although I do become interested in the mechanics of things. But I'm a bit more like uh, Evo Stick. I like the Holy Spirit or something to come and uh, make contact and stick. So uh, this conference was different from my point of view. Um, First and foremost, I want to say that you've got to want to be there because actually you're paying for it. It's not free. So um, I went with the anticipation and expectation that God is going to be there. He's going to meet with us and he's going to talk with us. And... For me, it's always at the beginning and at the end. All the bit in between seems to be, if I'm honest, hard work. 
There's so much to go to, so much to take on, so much to think about and consider. It's not uh, a breeze, as it were. It's not a holiday. And you come out of it thinking, in some of the seminars and things that you've been to, wow, I'm tired. I'm so overwhelmed and tired with everything and everything that you've heard and seen and you're trying to make relevance out of it. What does it mean to me? Where am I going with this? So, for me, it was at the very beginning. Can I ask, is there anyone still looking for their one word? I want to give you one. Okay? And it was at the very beginning of the conference, and it's multiplication. And as I got to consider, this is um, John Wright who brought this, that when you look at the Gospels and you look at what Jesus did, it's all about multiplication. And it grows and it grows. God does more than we can consider or think of. And for me, when he started to say to take the little, we have, and ask him how he wants us to use it in us, I wanted to just shout out, that's the little boy with the five loaves and fishes. Look what he did. And then you think of, oh no, it's, you've caught nothing, well let your net down on the other side. And the boats are swamped and they're sinking. This is my God. This is who I believe in. And this is what I want to bring back to Grace Vineyard. God wants more for your life than you do. And this is how I see it. Multiplication, he wants to do it in your life. The little that you have, even if it seems insignificant to you, he can do great things with and feed 5,000 or bring in such a catch that they've never seen. This is individually. And this is corporately. What else did I get out of it? I had the scripture come that said, one can put a thousand to flight. Two can put how many to flight? Ten thousand. I'm looking here, and I'm looking at all of you, how many and what can we do? It's not about you as an individual. It's about us. And how many were here? Maybe 30. And I started thinking on multiplication and going with it. If one of you brought just one other person to Christ into this place... In one month, we would be double our number. So let's say we're about 30 people. 
Where do you think we'd be in five months if one person kept multiplying themselves? I'll tell you what, our chairs would be out in the playground because it would be over a thousand people in five months. We're the ones who limit God in our lives. I'm not saying we're all evangelists. I'm not saying that you're going to do great things. That's between you and God. But there's possibilities that God can do with multiplication. Just let him multiply what you have and what he has given. Because you've got natural talents and you've got spiritual talents too and abilities. And so I want to come back from this conference, this time away, to say, we can do it. You can do it. You can make a difference. And God wants to bless it. He wants to multiply it in you. If you feel you lack faith, he wants to give you more faith. If you lack the ability to pray, he wants to give you the words to pray. You won't have to do it alone. I'm I'm in this place of really being excited about multiplication. Because in the same thing, they showed a film, an interview with Uh, John Wimber's wife, Carol, about the old days and about the things that uh, happened with John Wimber. But she ended up finishing to say that the best is yet to come and it is coming and it's going to be greater than we've ever expected or seen. I've heard this several times from different people no less than, not personally hearing Smith Wigglesworth, but he believed there is a time coming that we've not experienced or seen. And uh, the... I'm looking for the name and it's gone. It's escaped me. Uh, She's American... And she made a similar prophecy about uh, the power of God coming upon this nation uh, to come from the top of Scotland all the way down through the nation and across into Europe. It's Jean Darnell, that's it. Thank you very much. Get a bit of brain freeze up here. (laughs) But anyway... They've made similar prophecies, and I know what Carol said is in line with these things. There is an expectation that God is going to do something in this nation. He's going to bring the church alive in a way that it's never been before. But I want us to get a jump on the game. I want you to multiply 
what God has given to you. Coming back from this conference, I don't want to settle for anything less than what God has for us. The other side of it, on a lighter note, actually, I'm surprised my colleagues haven't mentioned this to you, but uh, we had royalty there. Seriously, we did. We had Kate Middleton, didn't we? Did we have Kate Middleton? Yeah? Yeah, honestly. Yeah, but it was the other one. But she is still attached to royalty. And why? It's because she said she's a child of the king. So I go with that. (laughs) So we had royalty with us. I'm being given my ten minutes, okay. But I want to come to just this point at the end. The very end of the conference ended with Joshua. And it's about him taking over from Moses. And the command to Joshua is to be bold and very strong, very courageous. For the Lord your God is with you. And that is as it is for us too. Be bold, take the little that God has given. Be strong, because God is with you. And we will see things change and multiply. Trying to be disciplined not to touch anything, because I've got symptoms of a cold, so I'm trying to keep away from all of you, because I don't want to pass it on to anybody. So I will try not to touch anything that is not mine. (laughs) But God is good. And his power is made strong in weakness. So though I'm weak, he is strong. And I can share with you what he's given me. Um, The conference, for me, was a mixture of things, um, a bit like other people have shared. Um, The starting of multiplication spoke to me too. Ed has covered that a great deal. Won't go into that. The... Verses that came to me before I came to the conference, um, in fact, in the Connect group um, sometime before, uh, was about the true vine, which is from John chapter 15. And in the session at the beginning, uh, with John Wright talking about multiplication, there were two verses um, that really spoke to me. One was about bearing fruit. And it says, by this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So that's the call on our life, isn't it? To be his disciples. And then, during that same first session, um, there was also John 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. So it's talking about that little that Eddie and others have shared. It's just the little that we have. John shared about having a tile and being in a beach area. And he saw these two 
little trickles of water and to use this tiny tile to carve a channel so that these two could come together. And he saw it begin. And sometime later, when he was looking at that spot, there wasn't just these two tiny little trickles struggling to get together. What had happened, there was a huge expanse of water. And we saw a picture um, when we were actually at the conference. And you couldn't make out two separate channels at all. There was just this absolutely huge expanse of water. And so it's all about that multiplication of the little that any one of us have that God wants to use. We then looked at Moses, and the word that came through strongly in that talk was, don't let anything hold you back. Don't let anyone hold you back. Don't let anyone's gifting hold you back. Jesus doesn't want any one of us to compare ourselves with somebody who we think is superior. He doesn't want us to try to dress like them, try to mimic the way they talk. He's made each one of us unique. And that uniqueness is for a purpose. And... The other thing that came to me in that was that God has called each one of us to do the best and to be the best model of me by being who you are in unique areas. Now, that doesn't mean that when you have weaknesses or when something has happened to you in life that has not made you confident that he wants you to carry on being the same as you were. And the same if you've got a huge ego. He doesn't want you to be the same as you were, untouched by the Holy Spirit. What he has for us is that work that will begin in each one of us when we submit our lives to him, that we become more like Jesus. And as has been shared this morning, that we do whatever he asks us to do in love. That's why that man stepped forward in the queue. Not because um, he wasn't finding that difficult. Anyone would find that difficult, because it's trusting in God that that little that you've been given, he's going to use. And so that man stepped out in faith in the queue and shared that little that he had, that God could be glorified. And when you do that... In any small way at all, God is glorified because Jesus is on display. It's not about you and it's not about me. It's all about Jesus. So then the conference moved on. And I heard it said in another session, God wants to use ordinary people. We need to equip ourselves and one another to hear from God so that each one of us can hear from God for ourselves and hear from God for other people. Another word was don't live in the not yet. Now, Vineyard is well known for saying the now and not yet regarding the kingdom. But we were told at the conference, don't live in the not yet. 
What if any one of us, or all of us, could steward and minister in the Holy Spirit that little bit that we have use his power, rely on him, rely on his Holy Spirit. What if we could learn how to do this, how we could pray for someone else, or how we could talk to them, perhaps a little bit longer, and allow them to share what's really troubling them, what's really on their heart, and step out in faith, say a loving word to them, or offer to pray for them. These are little steps But for some of us, they're really big steps. And they're stepping out from our comfort zones where we would rather step back and allow the noisy, the brash, the confident ones to step out and do these things. But we're an army of ordinary people. And Jesus has a place for each one of us. I went to an evangelism session that was all about sharing our faith. And that was really well done. We were given cards showing a picture of Jesus um, standing at the door. And we were told how we could use those. And I've asked if we could use that for our evangelism at times. Um, The last session it brings me to um, was all about fresh beginnings. Intentionally where to let go of the old and embrace the new. And we heard the reading of the um, story about Joshua uh, that Eddie has mentioned. And it's all about a new season in the Holy Spirit coming into us. How did Joshua lead the people into the land We're called to be change makers. We're all called to be stepping into new seasons. And I believe that we have a new season before us as a body of people. Stepping into a new season with strength and courage... Trust in the Lord's promise. Be strong and courageous, we've already heard. He is our compass and our guide. He puts us back on the right path. Being filled up with the word of God makes us very strong. No matter who we are, he says, I will be with you wherever you go. It's all about him and it's not about us. The river was in flood, and they had to camp near the River Jordan for three days. We love instant and fast, but God says, wait on me. Stepping into a new season is dependent on the Lord, waiting on him. He is in control. Stepping into a new season requires consecration. Stepping into a new season requires holiness. Interestingly enough, holiness was my word for this year, um, and I heard a lot of it at the conference. Stepping into a new season requires stepping into the river. You're called to be change makers. 
And in the middle of the river, you have to depend on him, not on your own strength. Joshua's word to the people was consecrate yourselves. They did that. And he wants to partner with us. He wants to partner with us. But are we willing to partner with him? The final thing was, who are you living your life for? I've asked this question myself. And I think it's something that God wants to ask each one of us. Who are we living our lives for? Is it our Lord Jesus who gave everything for us? Everything for each one of us. In the power of the Holy Spirit, that God the Father is glorified. So I want us to close our eyes um, after we've seen a picture that's going to be put up on the screen. Or if you find it more helpful, please keep looking at the picture. Because I believe the Lord is asking a response from each one of us. It's between you and God. Nobody else will know what your response is. But when you look at the cross, it reminds each one of us that Jesus died. That we might have life and have it in abundance. I'd like to just read out what consecration means, because it's not a word we use nowadays. To consecrate yourself is to answer God's call to spiritual consecration. This means making a conscious, a willing decision to dedicate your soul, your mind, your heart, and body to God. This decision must be one of the will, intelligence, and affection. Only you can make that decision to consecrate yourself to God. And I believe God is asking us, who are we living our lives for? If you want to live your life, From this moment for Jesus, forgetting all that's in the past, forgetting all the past failures, step out in faith with him. Make that consecration of giving your life to him. Your mind, your soul, your heart, all that you are, give it to him. And he will pick up that offering from you and he will use it for his glory. He will strengthen you. He will provide in time of trouble. It won't be easy, but he tells us that his yoke is easy and his burden is light.